You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Thank you for listening to episode 40 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. It's Friday the 3rd of June, the eve of the Epsom Derby, and my name's Charlotte Greenway. Well, this week on the podcast, we of course remembered the phenomenal achievements and huge character of the great Lester Piggott, who sadly passed away last weekend at the age of 86. Monday's episode was dedicated to remembering Lester and it was so wonderful to hear the stories that those close to him shared and if you missed it you can go back and listen in episode 494 where you'll hear of his mischievous acts and life lessons from the likes of Tom Magna, Ben Sangster, Luca Kumani and Kieran Fallon. And quite right that tomorrow's Epsom Derby has been named in honour of the nine-time Derby winning jockey. But of course today was all about the Oaks and all about Tuesday, who provided Aidan O'Brien with his record-breaking 41st British Classic, a remarkable achievement and no doubt he'll be adding plenty more to that tally in the future. Of course the second Emily Updrum was unlucky as she slipped coming out of the stalls, meaning she was stuck a bit wide and she was only beaten a short head at the line. Looking ahead to the Kazoo Derby tomorrow, it's hard to rule too many of the 17 out, but it's Desert Crown who's quite a hot favourite for the race and has been since his facile win in the Dante at York, and he'll be looking to land Sir Michael Stout, his first classic for 12 years, while jockey Richard Kingscote will be looking to ride his first British classic winner. Racing manager Bruce Raymond told Nick a little bit more about owner Syed Sahail, who has already tasted Epsom Derby victory with Kriskin in 2003. Well, he's um, he's a Dubai businessman. He's in construction um, and he's built several, I guess, skyscrapers in 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 Dubai. And uh, I think he originally built for uh, built, built a sports club for the, the late Sheikh, Sheikh Maktoum Al Maktoum, um, and they were sort of buddies together i think he went to school with the with the with the royal family and then um now he uh, he's bought he owns a hotel in newmarket called the heathcourt hotel and he when he comes to newmarket he of, of course stays there um and uh, he's got various properties in in london but um yeah he's just a businessman uh, and your your association with him comes from your your work with with uh, uh Joe Mercer and Sheikh Maktoum Al Maktoum during his his period as a as a massive owner in in this country. That's right. Yes, and I, I think I first met um, uh, Saeed Suhail. He had horses with Ben Hanbury, one of which was called White the White Crown, and that's the name of his company in uh, in Dubai. White White Crown White Crown Towers and various things like that. So I think that's when I when I first met him. You must have very fond memories of 2003. We spoke to Kieran Fallon yesterday as part of our tribute to to Lester Piggott, and uh, and that ride on that ride on Chris Kin for Saeed Sahail was one of those Epsom rides that that Piggott himself would have been proud of. 
Definitely. I think it was a very, very special ride. He he went after he won on him, won on him at um, Chester. He said this horse is going to win the Derby, and I thought, oh, I can't see that. But uh, lo and behold, it did, and he gave it a spectacular ride, um, as he often did in the, in those big races. You know, he was a very, very good jockey. Well, of course, you went into there, and and Chris Kidd sort of came into the party quite late that year, having won the D Stakes at Chester, and suddenly there he was and won. This has been a slightly longer established deal with Desert Crown. He's been favourite for the race for quite some time now. Uh, and Bruce, how how does your role come into play in a in a week like this? Um, I just have to answer questions like I am to you, and also uh, liaise between the trainer and. And the owner, and the owner sometimes gets a little bit uptight about it, excited about things, and I'm sort of in the in the middle of the two. He talks to Michael maybe once a month, but he talks to me three times a day. So um, it's he wants to know every detail about every horse that he has, um, just because he's got a lot of enthusiasm um, with regard to horses he has about tw- to, I guess thirty horses in training. And um, with various trainers, and the better ones are with with Michael at the moment. And and how are you feeling about about Saturday uh, generally? What's your what's your take on the race as a whole? I think going into the race, he's definitely the best horse. I think this is a. I feel this is a better horse than Chris Kin by far. And if he's not on the day, he certainly will be. You know, Chris Kin got beaten in King George afterwards. I think. I think I'm saying that. But uh, he, this this horse is a better horse, and I don't think he's reached his certainly not reached his peak yet. And um, I just feel this is yeah. He's a worthy favourite. He's the best horse going into the race. Then in going out, coming out of the race, who knows? You've got to, you've got to have a bit of luck in running. You've got a good draw. Uh, everything's going to be go go well for him. But going into the race, I would be surprised if any jockey would would like would want to swap him. You know, I, I definitely, I'm pretty confident he's the best horse going into it, and but will improve a lot. And even as a back end three year old, four year old, maybe five year old, who knows? Peter Brown has owned some wonderful horses, both in America and Europe, and he is the breeder and co-owner of Stone Age, who looks to be the first string for Aidan O'Brien in tomorrow's race. Having won some of the biggest races in the world, including the Kentucky Derby and the Art de Triomphe, Nick asked Peter how much he was looking forward to having a runner in the English Derby. Well, um, I, I really uh, I'm just so excited to have a horse in a race like this, and of course, breeding the horse makes it very uh, special. You know, this uh, mare came out of the Wildenstein uh, dispersal, and uh, which has worked very well for us. Uh, the horses that we purchased there, and um, it makes it you know it makes it ec- extra special uh, to have bred the horse. But of course, all those races are great races and they were great horses and uh it's it's uh, nothing to be taken away from them i mean they're they're to be in a race like that and win a race like that is something that's uh, very hard to match just just dial it back for me a, a little bit if you will to five or six years ago when you wanted to come back into horse racing after a long spell out of the game and sort of how you were looking at the sport across the globe and how you thought right how am i going to play this how am i going to get in again in in england ireland america france what what was your thinking what was your strategy well i just felt like you know i've always uh, i've always uh, you know liked having really good mares i mean i've always thought that's sort of the foundation of 
your bloodline doesn't have to work, but you know, with enough of them, it uh, you, you should have some success on a long term basis. And I, um, you know, I went that route. And the reason for Europe was, you know, I was around all, all that period when, you know, so many of the European owners, uh, Sheikh Mohammed. Judmont, I mean, really going out and buying some of the very, very best American yearlings. And a lot of those great horses, you know, turned out to be the, what are now the great sires or the last generation sires in, in Europe. So I do believe that the Europeans uh, kind of were in a position like the Americans were in in the 60s and 70s, and that is that their blood for, uh, you know, for uh, breeding was uh, top of the line. And so you've taken quite a bit of that blood back to the United States and it's worked really well, particularly with horses trained by, by Chad Brown. And, and now you've got horses that are, that are based and bred in, in Ireland as well. How do you split your, your broodmare band roughly? Uh, 50-50, half, in, half at, um, in England and Ireland and uh, half in the United States. Of course, in your in your first incarnation as an owner, when you you had some wonderful horses both sides of the Atlantic, uh, Aidan O'Brien. Well, he he was just about born, but but not for long. He certainly <laughs> he, he, he certainly wasn't anything like the towering figure he is now. Uh, tell me a yeah, bit about. I don't, and I don't I, I don't know how many more will be born like him. <laughs> so he's a very special guy. So so in your in your experience of him. What's made him special? And you've had horses with just about every good trainer. Yes, I think um, I think he's uh, you know he's a winner. He likes to win. He does everything he can. Uh, it's meticulous about his training, uh, you know, all the way along. And he uh, is not afraid to he's not afraid to try to, you know to try with a horse and you know experiment with what they might like and. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't really give up on these horses, and he he's uh, he he'll try a lot of things before he, you know, before he's uh, goes on to another horse. I mean, he he's uh, very special, and I think that uh, if you've ever visited his training facilities, it's just incredible. I mean, his recall, his memory, he he just is uh, he's uh, you know a, a chef. He's really knows what he's doing. Yeah, you know, what's your level of expectation of this horse? What what have you been What have you been told? You know, I I don't really like engage too much with what you know what I'm told because I've I've been into so many races and you know so many first so many favorites and so many second favorites. I mean, you really never know. You know, you're really asking these horses to do something that they've really never done before, and I think that's why a lot of favorites you know sometimes don't come across in the, in the derby. I just expect, you know, I hope that the horse runs well and I hope he makes a good account of himself and I'm there to support him. And uh, it's, uh, I can't really expect more than that. I was at the Kazoo Derby Gallop this morning last week where last year's winning trainer, Charlie Appleby, galloped two of his contenders, Walk of Stars and Nahani, while leaving the more experienced nation's pride at home. And he sounded very pleased with what he'd just seen. Uh, much respects to um, the two boys in the derby there, picture in uh, Nahani. Um, as you know, he's a horse that we would have had, had the cheap pieces on and, and he had blinkers on there on his second start there. But uh, he's definitely a different animal when he turns up in the races because at home he'd have a job to warm himself up in a gallop. Um, but uh, Adam was very pleased with him. He's 
look, he's been here, so he's had, you know he's got track experience. Uh, again, Adam just led the gallop there. Uh, it was just, just more of a swinging canter more so than anything, but uh, he led away there. Was very pleased. He moved well. Uh, and as respects to uh, Walker Stars there, look, I'm not going to get away from him. He's got all the ability in the world, and, and we've always, you know, felt that he's got the got the engine to be able to do something hopefully exciting. Um, you know, he was, yeah, hey, you'll put down as disappointing at Lingfield, but any horse that can still have the energy to mess around and jink and mess, you know, after a mile and a mile and three round there, you know, at the level with with Aiden's horse, you just know he's not putting uh, 100% in, should we say. Um, so he's still very much a work in progress, and that was the reason to bring him in here today, was to to just get some more uh, experience under his belt uh, before the big day, and um, very pleased. I mean, he's still... The paddock procedure was all very straightforward. He comes out onto the track there, he still shows a bit of life there, but we obviously um, took the took the hood off there, um, whereas on race day he'll have the hood down to post. Uh, but the pair of them moved up there great. But anyway, if, you, if you're going to pick one out of them, the way they moved up there and the way everything was done, you know, Walker Stars, he is the, he's the horse that's got the engine, there's no doubt about it. But again, I'm taking nothing away from Nahani. He's a, a horse that, as I say, wouldn't warm himself at home. The one thing is that, that horse will do is he'll stay for fun. Won the Derby twice recently. Do any of your contenders remind you of Adiara or Massar in any, any way? Or? Uh, in respects to Walker Stars... I mean, he could only go down, you know, Adiar was beaten in at Lingfield. You can put that into, into a frame if you like. Um, but as, a, as an individual, you would say Walker Stars is very much of an Adiar as well. He's a big, scopey horse. And um, surprisingly, well, I, I think Adiar learnt a lot at, uh, at Lingfield on that day. Um, but as we all know, he, he, he handled the conditions and the track very well on Derby Day. Um, the one thing you know, William did say, with Walker Stars was how well he handled Lingfield, uh, and Pat Hills, who just rode him there, said exactly the same. He said, you know, for a, for a big horse, it's surprising how agile and how he switches his lead so so smoothly. But I think he does it because I think he's like I say, he's got a huge engine there. And he finds everything very easy. Um, so you know, as respects to him, he's got a picture. You could you could sort of toy with saying or, or, or say that you know, potentially he's an Adiar. Yeah, I mean the one thing with Adiar was he was a uh, this horse is as we know. He's, he's got a bit more about a bit more character about him for sure. Um, Adiar was, uh, you know, a lot more laid back, uh, and um, you know I, I'm a big believer in races can be won and lost up in that paddock. And what are the chances that Nations Pride could could be the the best hope of the three in all? Look, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, betting is I feel probably correct in where it is with Nations Pride in in you know his profile. He has a great profile of a horse that could hopefully turn up on Derby Day in respect. He's with five runs under his belt. You know he's, he he was very impressive on his last start. He broke his maiden. I think it was around Lingfield, top my head now. Uh, he's travelled. Um, he's a very neat horse, very well balanced horse. So he ticks a lot of you know out of the three. I mean, he probably ticks, ticks the most boxes realistically. And, you know the, the question mark is slightly well. Pedigree-wise, you could say, is he got a, a, an abundance of stamina there? Um, whereas the other two lads, they do. Another to take in the gallops morning was Rafe Beckett's Westover, who runs in the Judmont Silks. He's pretty imposing physically, and he's got a big stride on him. But as Rafe pointed out on the day, he's got plenty of race experience, and so he's hoping that the track won't cause any problems. His jockey Rob Hornby was aboard and discussed Westover, starting with his win in the classic trial at Sandown. 
I mean, he's done very well. It was um, a very pleasant surprise, although we were confident in his homework before Sandown. He was coming into the race without asking any questions, big questions. So um, for him to go and do it, you know, that well that day at Sandown, there was always going to be a great deal of improvement. And just from how he's taken all his homework in um, has been fantastic. I actually, um, he, he dropped me there a couple of weeks ago just him being you know very fresh and very well and you could see today he was quite fresh just cantering down he's he's an exuberant horse he's a bit of a like a, a teenager he's um he likes to you know he, he, he likes to know he lets you know he, he's there but one thing he's changed massively from two to three especially is you know he was a little bit gassy in his in his races beforehand and, and also in his homework but um at the moment and how he's been developing once we actually started the gallop today he, he settled beautifully and you know got into a real good rhythm just showing that his maturity is growing all the time ground wise um, you were a bit worried about yeah, it I wouldn't want it to come up too quick I mean that was beautiful there today there's a lovely cover in the grass and you can see they're just getting their toe in he's a big horse and um, although he's um, he would act on good to firm it would just help his um, it would just help him I think on, on an easy an easier, good, slow, you know, easy side of good would be um, perfect for him. He's a, he's a big individual and he's, um, you know, a strong, a strong horse. So it just... Um, the trip should be a plus, should it? He'll stay all day. Like you saw then, he, he galloped out very strongly. And I was just saying to Rafe, regardless of where we are in the race, I want to ride a, a positive race where, you know, I'm never going to be going in with stamina doubts with him. He's, he's galloped out strongly in all of his races and his work and... Um, you know, for 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 quite quite a big horse, I'd want to get him motivated early enough and, and get him into top gear and see where that puts us then, I suppose. Charlie Fellows runs the Susan Roy-owned and bred Grand Alliance, who's a half-brother to the very smart sprinter Dutch Connection. He was a close second in the Blue Ribbon trial at Epsom behind Nahani, and Charlie discussed his chance with Nick earlier in the week. I, I, I think I think we've we've got to be realistic here. We're a, we're a bit of a sporting uh, a runner, but you know, stranger things have happened, and he's run incredibly well at the track. Uh, he's improving with every start, and you know, we'll see. Look, he's he deserves to be there. Um, uh, he was only beaten half a length by Nahani. Nahani sixteen to one, and had the run of the race at Epsom. We're sixty six to one, and was a touch unlucky. So, look, I think, I think we need to improve significantly. There's a few question marks too, um, mainly over the trip. Um, but you know, if you're not in it, Nick, you can't win it. Yeah, the pedigree says one thing. The way he ran in the blue ribbon suggests another about the trip. Um, where does your where does your heart lie on this? Um, it's a difficult one. My heart lies in, in that he'll stay it, uh, no problem. And that, um, but but whether my head possibly doesn't agree. But it's a funny one because, as you say, his his pedigree definitely says um, he's got no chance. But his, his pedigree says he's got no chance staying ten furlongs either. And every time he's run over ten, Doncaster and Epsom, he's looked like the further he wants. Uh, the better, the better he gets. So, um, you know, we will we'll, we'll find out on Saturday. I guess it's it's very difficult to to, to tell uh, until we actually go into race conditions. You're a competitive person. You want to win. You don't want to turn up with horses who have no chance necessarily. But to what extent is there a part of you that thinks 
I have got somebody's homebred to the derby. I mean, that that in itself is is quite an achievement. Look, it's, it's, it's very, very special. It's made even more special by a little bit of the backstory, which is that Paul Roy, who owned and bred the horse, uh, is born and bred in Epsom. His father was a butcher in, in Epsom. He grew up on Tattenham Corner. His parents are buried in the cemetery just next door to the race course. So um, for him, it has been a dream to, to have Derby, a Derby runner. He had one with 60s icon a few years ago. He's got another one this time that he bred. Uh, and you know it, it's going to be a very very special day um, for, for for the whole family. Uh, they're huge huge supporters of racing, uh, and um, uh, yeah, I, for me, I, I would love nothing more uh, to see him go and run a big race because they've been big supporters of mine too. On paper, it certainly looks one of the more open derbies, but I think as Bruce Raymond suggested, Desert Crown has the ability to be something just a little bit special. But you never can rule out Aidan O'Brien. I hope you enjoy tomorrow's action and the rest of the Jubilee weekend. Nick will be back with you as usual on Monday morning with the latest news and insight from around the world of horse racing. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.